0: Um, So, while we were praying uh, before the service, uh, God gave me a picture of one of my trees that is on the farm. Now, I've got 10,000 trees, but I've got one tree that is slightly different, and we've noticed it, and this tree, it it is a macadamia tree, but it's not looking like the one next door to it, and so I had a consultant coming this last week uh, to the farm, Well, it was last week, in fact, or or the previous week. And uh, while we were driving down the roads, I said, just, just wait, and we, and, and we stopped. And I said, tell me about this tree. What kind of tree is this? Because I've got different cultivars of the macadamia trees. And he looked at it, and he says, this unfortunately is, it is a macadamia tree, but it's the wrong cultivar. What happened was that the grafting did not take. So just for... Explanation: When you grow a tree like an abo tree, if you grow it from a pip, it will never it it will never bear fruit to its full potential because it was never grafted correctly. Um, it needs to be grafted so that it can bear fruit. And um, because this grafting failed, it was actually the rootstock that had grown out, and it's an unknown rootstock. And so I said, well, what do I do with it? I mean, it's a big tree. It's, it's twice the size of me. And he said, rather take it out because it will never bear fruit. And God gave me this picture while we were praying. And then, and then so Benny then prayed exactly what I was feeling. He said, you know, so Jesus cursed the, um, the fig tree because he was frustrated because it wasn't producing the fruit that it should be. And so I thought, sure, Lord, is this a warning? It sounds a bit harsh. And uh, he said, no, no, no. It's an encouragement. For In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But in John 15, it also explains that We are grafted into Him. He is the vine. And I believe what God is saying here is that, you know, we might look like everyone else, but we're not producing the fruit that we should be. And it's because the grafting is not working well. The grafting, we aren't grafted into the source. We aren't grafted into Christ during the week, or we aren't grafted into Christ the way we should be and therefore that is why we're not seeing the fruit it's it's the grafting we cannot do this on our own and and there is a warning part God will make space for for someone else if if we don't do the works that he has called us to do he's got to get somebody else to do those works and so there is a sense there is a warning to it but I needed to come across as an encouragement to say, God has good works f- for you, and He is desperate and He's longing for you to um, show that fruit that He has so desired you to be this beautiful, fruit-producing pr- Christian.
1: Oh. Yeah, I really feel that word is really in line with what I'm sharing. It's, it's lacquer like when you get a word and you can just it just flows and you don't have to, God, what are you trying to do? And I, I do witness with what John was sharing about the, the, the tree being grafted in. And I feel maybe in some ways some of us might feel we, we are grafted in, but, but if we look and we don't see fruit, because Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Um, And I don't know about you, I've been been contemplating fruit in our own lives. Um, And so, even what I'm going to share on is in a very similar vein of bearing fruit. Um, In fact, if you look at that scripture where Jesus actually curses the tree, quite harsh. And that tree didn't just, that that tree symbolized Israel, actually, as a nation. And God's saying, Look, you guys aren't representing me, truly. You haven't been grafted into me. And because of that, and he says he cuts the the tree down. In fact, he curses the tree, and uh, that tree doesn't bear fruit. And the, you know, if you actually think of that scripture, it was the it was the leaves that drew Jesus to that tree. It says that if you if you go and read it, it says the leaves attracted. He got there. I mean, this is God who knows everything. <laughs> but to me, even that was a prophetic act. He's drawn and 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 he looks and he says, "Is there any fruit?" I know there's leaves because. If there's leaves, it should be a sign that there's life. And if there's life, I want to come there. And so he comes and he sees, but there's, there's no fruit. But, but it's a fig tree. It should bear fruit. And, uh, and so even when God comes here among us, uh, he's not looking for leaves. The leaves might attract him to come and look, but he's actually looking for the fruit. And uh, I want to ask you, is there fruit? Are we bearing fruit? Is. And I want, to, I want to check my own heart here because um, I, I feel challenged even in prepping um we've been we've been planted nine months now and uh and we've grown slightly but <laughs> and I, i'm not putting it heavy on you i'm I'm, I'm thinking of hey what am God, what do I need to make adjustment because planted nine months we haven't seen that much growth really uh, as we go and preach the gospel and so I, i've just been thinking about it meditating on it because you know there's a lot of things that as we become born again that we kind of recognize what we are in Christ. Huh? I mean, there's a few scriptures. Let me give you a few. I didn't give them to Renee because I haven't got time. But um, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. I mean, we all know that. Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 5, it says, you're holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, and we've been called in adoption to sonship. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal, uh, sorry, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession think of that you are God's special possession you know you think of it you think of the seven wonders of the world you're so in awe of that or you think of the angels they're so glorious they they carry something of the glory of God it's far beyond what you and I would kind of look in the flesh if if you were to see them and yet God says you are his special possession that's amazing. I don't know about you guys when I look at that. And then Romans eight seventeen, it says, now if we are children, we are heirs of God. You and I are heirs with him. Romans eight thirty seven says, we are more than conquerors. But you know, if you take all those scriptures that I've just shared with you, these are things that we're going to be like God forever and ever and ever. We will reign with him as conquerors forever. We'll reign with him. Forever and ever. We are his children. We are adopted sons forever and ever. And if you're a lady, you're an adopted woman, <laughs> not son a daughter. And you know, if you take those scriptures, they all got to do all got to do with what we are for eternity. But there's something I want to share tonight is something that as we follow Jesus, it's not just something that we are actually for eternity, actually only something that we are for a season for a temple, temporarily, uh, for a season in God. And that is, I want to go to Matthew 4, verses 19, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said this to them, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. Now, like, like John was sharing, you know, if, we, we, if we've been grafted in the vine, by default, we should be bearing fruit. Jesus is saying a similar thing to me, as you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So, in other words, we should be fishers of men. That should be what we're producing. Because, so if we're not bringing people to the Lord, if we're not witnessing, if we're not bringing people even into the life of the church, are we really following Him? (laughs) Because that's what He's saying. If you follow me, I will make you. Not I might. We can see, let's see how your evangelism works. Let's try and bring that gift he says, you will be fishers of men. Now, I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm actually looking internally in my own heart here. At, at, as I've been preparing, I thought, like, what does this mean, you know? And uh, I just want to look at this because, you know, I'm, when it comes to fishing, I can be honest with you, I don't – I'm not the greatest fisherman. I, I I remember taking my boys out fishing. Connor's like, yeah, Sure. I, t- I remember taking my boys out and spending most of the time with my two sons, trying to untangle the line, trying to rebait the hooks because they just stay impatient. They cast and, just, and they cast. You know, it's just and it, it's a mess. And I just thought oh, this is more work for me. And so the 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 hooks were more out the water than they were in the water. You know, and so fishing, I got to admit, wasn't my <laughs> my joy. But um, you know, when you go fishing. <laughs> Like that, it's like you. If you go and it's hot, you catch a tan. Well, if it's cold, you catch a cold. But you don't catch the fish, you know. And uh, but you know the funny thing is, I'm even in a fishing WhatsApp group. Hey guys, uh, <laughs> who's there? Paul, yeah, uh, uh, Jacques, yeah. I mean, I'm in this group. I'm in a fishing group, but I'm not fishing. <laughs> and I feel sometimes like we like that, you know. We we in the church. But we're not fishers of men. But Jesus is saying, yeah, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So either Jesus is lying or just we're not truly following him. Like John says, are we really grafted in? Now, I'm not putting a heavy on you. I'm just, I'm just trying to inline that with that word. If we're going to be bearing fruit, then maybe there needs to be some adjustments. Maybe you are grafted, but maybe there's just certain things that we're just holding back in. I don't know. Um,. So I was kind of just meditating this week about fishing, and uh, I want to look at just what is, what is it? What are, the, what are the lures that we call to use? Is it the lures? Is it the line? Is it the, the techniques? <laughs> what are we doing that needs to come in line? I want to look at three methods that the Bible talks about fishing. Now, the first method is catching fish with a line. The second method is catching fish with a cast net, and the third one is catching fish with the drag net. Now, I want to explain each of the three, because it's quite important that we look at this. Now, you might think, you know, so the first one is catching fish with a line. You might think in Jesus' day, they didn't do that. No, they did that. Remember the story when, when Jesus said to Peter, listen, we've got to pay our taxes. We need the money. I want you to go and cast the line, catch a fish, and inside that fish, you're going to find a coin, give it to SARS, let them pay for our taxes, and we sort it, you know, for the year. And now I don't want you to build a whole theology on this. This is not how we pay our taxes. You know, the Bible says submit to your leadership, <laughs> your government, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God's what's God. So, don't build a theology on this. Just this is just something Jesus did. Okay, uh, but um, so we do see fishing with a line. But I really feel that in light of this, you know, fishing with a line really speaks of our ministry as individuals you know we all called we all got a mission field we've all got a place where we can administer where we can bring the gospel of Jesus to the world and um I mean let's use example so like Liam you're at school there's your line there's your cost Hannah University is a place where you cast the line who else Monet you're in the business field John at the farm, his workers. You know, we've all got our own lines to cast. The places we go to, the even the even the shops that we go to. You know, how's your how's your fishing lines? Are they in in the water? Are we are we are we fishing? Um, I mean, even recently, like like I said to Lauren, where's my mission field? I'm spending so much time in the church. How you know? Because I mean, we we call to minister in the church too, but I, I felt almost like my line isn't in the water. <laughs> And uh, recently we, we, we take our dogs every afternoon to the park and we let the dogs play. And while we're playing, the dogs are meeting, we're meeting with the people that bring their dogs. And so there's a whole lot of dogs in the park and we get to talk. So in a sense, that's my only little bit of mission field that I've got. So this last Friday we had a bride together with all the dog park people at someone's house. And uh, they all know me as the pastor, you know. But um, but but that's my mission field. You know, That's that's where... I try and look for the opportunity. Okay, God, what do you want me to say here? You know what's happened, because people need, but they first need to know me. <laughs> you know, it's not just a case of me just, uh, you know, Jesus. It's, uh, that is important, but you also got to know how, how real are you? You know, is it authentic? And um, but I want to say this. I think sometimes we 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 look at casting that net, we forget there's got to be a lure on that hook. What is the lure in your life? Let's 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 look at it from a another aspect. You know, James talks about um, sin. Let me quickly go there. James 1 verses 14 to 15, those two verses. Now, it's talking about sin as a lure. It says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Now, just keep that scripture there, Renee, but it says there well, each one's drawn by his own desire. So as we're in the world, you know, you all got desires. My desire might not be like your desire. There's certain things that pull me that don't pull you. So what leads me to that hook, what drives me to that hook is my own desire. And every single one of us sitting here has a desire. And those sinful desires have to be nailed to the cross. We have to die daily to those desires. But it's a, it's a pulling. It's like, okay, I've got to die in Jesus so that thing doesn't have a hold on me. But, you know, there's, still, there's an attraction to that. In the same way sin has attraction that pulls us to the hook through that desire, so righteousness also has an attraction. And that's where you and I come in. So as we begin to exercise righteousness, as we begin to exercise even our intimacy with the Lord, there should be an attraction that people are pulled to you because they see something beautiful in you. And it pulls them. And so I'm, I'm, I've been, you know, even in this time in ministry, God, I want to spend more time with you because these people need to see you in me. And so when they see it, they can see it and desire it. You know, when I was at school, I must admit, i the only Christian, we had what we call the SCA club at school. I don't know if you guys had it. But I, I battled there because I was a sports guy. I loved rugby. I loved athletics. But all the guys there that were in the SCA club, they all played chess and, um, in the library. It, I, I couldn't identify. It was no pull to me to be, be there, really. I had no desire. You know, it, there was nothing in common, really. There was no attractiveness. Was almost like Jesus was their crutch. Their, you know, made them feel better. But, but it wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? It, it, so it was difficult for me to be attracted to that. But yet I was a Christian, and so I battled spiritually in that, for that pull. You know, like what is there? What is the desire? And um, I just remember, I mean, there was one guy that, that was still in the library, and him and I were talking, but we used to call him, um, his name was, uh, we called him Conan the Librarian. because He was one of these guys with the glasses, and he was quite a nerd. But but I remember talking to him, and I th- you know, saying, because he's saying, you but you don't really sit with us and, and connect. I said, but you know, but we've got nothing in common. It's not that I don't want to be there. It's just, you know, there's just certain things that, that are there. <laughs> And I just felt, you know, in that, you know, sometimes we think that just because we, we claim to be Christian and we're part of a Bible club, that, that's attractive. No, we, we've got to have the beauty of Christ within us. There should be because you're drawing of Him that you're expressing it. You know what I mean? There should be a boldness in you. There should be a, a confidence in you. You know, you're not doing this because Jesus is a the crutch. He's, there should be something in Him that, that manifests out of you. And then people look at you and think, wow, you know, I really want that. What is that? I don't know, but but I'm attracted to it. And so it pulls you to that. And so we're not like the world. So I want to ask you, even in that, is, you know, if you express God's kindness, is that really manifest in you? Are you experiencing God's kindness? Because it's God's kindness that what? Leads us to repentance. So really, I think if, if you're exercising the kindness of God, people are going to be led to repentance in that because they see the kindness in you. Philippians uh, 4.7, it says, and Jesus says, and peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. We get a peace from Christ. You know, Jesus said in John 14.27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, and I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You know, it's something of the peace of God that even though you might be in the most worst difficult place, And people can see your surroundings, they can see you in turmoil, they can see the circumstances around you, but when they look at you and they see, but you're so confident, you just know that God's got this, that that peace that comes over you, you know, do they see that? Or do they see the person that's just like the world, that's just shaking the same as everybody else would shake? Or do you have that confidence in Christ? You see, I love this scripture because to me, this is the lure, this is what 1 Peter 3, verses 15, if you can give me that. This is just, I want you to picture this in the sense of casting a line and catching a fish and, and pulling it in. Now, this is Peter saying, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, make Jesus your everything. Sanctify him. Set yourself apart to honor him. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear notice this he says you know people are going to ask you but they're only going to ask you when they they lure to you so they're going to see a hope in you so let's say you know Monet there's a there's a hope in you and and I'm like wow what is this Monet is in let's say a turmoil in his life and he's challenged and things but I can see there's a hope he's not wavered by that he's 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 looking at something far greater than just these circumstances there's something of hope in him, and I'm drawn to that. I'm like, well, no, what is that hope? Because, flip, if I look at your life, you, you know, you shouldn't have that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just using this as an example. It's the same with us Christians. It's not that we don't have the same issues as the world has. We do. But our hope is eternal. It's in Christ. And so Peter's saying, look, when people see, because they will see that hope, because if you graft it in Christ fully that hope will be manifest. And when they see it, they think, well, what is it? And so they're drawn to the hope. And then they will ask you. And then he says, but then when they do ask, you always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to give the gospel, because they will ask you. It's almost like a, it will happen. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you guys, let's not, let's not be caught up by the world. Let's not worry about I know there's things happening in Israel, and yes, we can see that. If you look at our country and you look at the economics and you look at finances, it's easy to be choked by the worries of the world, as scripture says. We can be choked by those things, we can be caught up in politics. But this is not your home. It's almost like we've got to settle that. You know, Hebrews 11:14 14, it says they, they actually came to that point where they recognized it. It says, For those who say such things, these are all the great men of faith. For those who say such things, what did they say? Well, they said this wasn't their home. He says, they declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. God is preparing a city for us. That we're going to rule and reign with him. Have Have you thought of that? So why are we worried about what's happening here? That's eternal. This is temporal. We just have for a moment, as Paul says. like a just a breath. So what's your lures of attractiveness to the to those around you, to the world? You know, and it can only happen with your intimate time that you spent with the Lord. And I want to say, I want to kind of be, you kind of gotta every day we should be having someone new that we're witnessing to. Every day, because It should be just coming out of us. Now, I'm not guilty. It's not always, you know, sometimes I go to the shop with a mission. My wife sent me for this. And everything else flies out the window. I'm I'm not thinking about the person that's standing in front of me that maybe just is in desperate need of just hearing the gospel. And the cue just makes me frustrated. And all I think is, can't they get another teller out there, you know? (laughs) It's true. We think like that. But the reality is that is eternal. That lady that might be in front of you in the line, she, she needs Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, so what is your lures? And, and what is your catch? What's the catch of the day? Have you ever heard that in restaurants, catch of the day? It's not really, have you ever thought about it? It's not actually a specific fish when they say catch of the day because it could be anything. It's actually a fish that's at least 24 hours old the most. You know? That's the longest. It means it's fresh. I want to ask you, what's fresh? What's your catch of the day? And let me say, it's going to be indiscriminate at times. Don't be discriminant in who you catch. Don't cast your line because you think, oh, well, that person's great. No, cast the way Jesus tells you to cast. It might be the most worst difficult person that you've ever seen. Cast it there, because you've got to have faith that that God's there to change those kind of people, the hard people, the people that aren't just don't look like, you know, they're going to come to salvation. But that's where we've got to trust faith. Hey? I mean, how did you come to salvation? Was it by your good works? No, it was faith. Oh. So, yeah, I, I I just feel in that we, we shouldn't be discriminant. I think sometimes when you look at people, we think, oh, that person isn't ready for the gospel yet. He's not ready for church. You know, he's He's too wild, you know. His language is just way. He's not, not going to be good yet, you know. He's too crude with his jokes. He's not a Hallmark kind of person, or a Walt Disney. In fact, Walt Disney's become woke now. So even they out of the thing. But is uh, he's, that, he's that kind of person you don't want to invite to family because it's, he's going to look, he's going to stand out. I want to say that is the person that Jesus died for. he Said I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the the healthy. I came for the sick. We've we, we got to be careful, church. We become religious. I don't care if someone swears in this church. If he's unsaved, you know what? That's fine. Because Jesus said we don't judge them because they're in the world. But we do bring them to a place of salvation. We do try and witness the gospel. But not for the sake. This is where we get it wrong. We try and clean the fish before we catch it. Let, let the Holy Spirit do the, the cleaning. You know, that's what sanctification is. He sanctifies us. He cleans us. He washes us with the Word. He, it's daily, and we're moving from one degree of glory to the next. But you and I are not called to clean people. Only Jesus can wash them clean. The second catch I want to talk about is the net, the cast net. And uh, I want to say this. The thing with this net, unlike your individual capacity to cast the line, the cast net requires us as a church this net can't be exercised as you as a lone ranger as one man this net is shown in the collective presence of one another that as we come together that i mean let's face it when you came into this church for the first time what really drew you i'm gonna throw it out there what drew you was it my preaching (laughs) i don't even remember what i preached two weeks back is it the great worship I, i mean it was great stephen thanks but was it that or was it, what is it? What, come on, I want some interaction here. What, what drew you? T- was it the preaching? Okay, what else? <laughs> Worship. It was part of it. The, the people. The people. You felt, so think of it. Let's go back to those days. When you came here, did you feel included? Did you feel loved? Did you feel part of a family? Did you feel a sense of belonging? Because that is, to me, what casting that net is, is our togetherness. You know, Ephesians 3.10, it says, To the intent now, the manifold wisdom of God is made known through the elders, through the worship team, (laughs) no, through the church, through every single one of you. You know, we together make known the manifold wisdom of God us this is when the net gets cast when people see there's just something bigger than one man there's something far greater than just the elders there's something special here because it's the collectiveness of the unity of God made known through us and it's the spirit of God that flows in this it's not one man it's not and I want to say even even for guys if you come here and um, you got to realize that we are not a one-man show we're not just the man standing on the pulpit, the man of the hour, you know, the glory be to him kind of thing. We're not that type of church. We never have been. Yes, I'm here to fulfill a function, but the glory goes to the Lord. Everything we do goes to him. And I'm just, I'm just prepared and just sharing. But, but ultimately, I want to say, even if you come here with a gift and an anointing, and, and you can have those things. But I want to say that in itself is not, you can't cast the net together with us in that. The first thing you need to do is actually lay down your gift because it's about first dying to self and then understanding the love of Christ that works. You know, this is the thing. Paul says this in, two, in Philippians two three. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambitions or vain conceit. You know, we can function. We can operate giftings through selfish ambitions. I can, you know, you can have people who prophesy or evangelize or even teach but I can do this all out because hey man I want to be seen I want to be recognized and Paul says but you can't do that you can't do it out of selfish ambition and uh, he even rebukes the church in Corinth and 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 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 3 he says though I speak with tongues of men and angels but I have not love I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal and though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I might remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. You know, we can even do that. Feeding the poor, that's quite a, a big thing. You can even do that. And though I give my body to be burned, you can even be a martyr <laughs> and do it out of selfishness. I mean, that's pretty stupid because you, you, you're kind of dying for, for yourself, really. And you don't even get glory out of it. So, you, so think of it. I mean... You could even die, <laughs> and it profits you nothing. Uh, so I want to quickly go, well, how do we do it? Well, we've got to do it from a place of love, and it's supernatural, church. This casting the net that I'm talking about is going to be a supernatural thing, but I'm trusting the Lord that He's going to do it through us, not through the great teachings and, and that. He's going to do it through us, through how we do the things one-on-one, but also how we do it collectively. And I want to share this to you. I want to quickly show you. In uh, John 13, verses 34... I want, this, I want to read this one. This is Jesus talking. He says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Notice that, by this all will know. Not by the teaching, not by the worship, by this. If you really understand this, if, if we're going to cast the net and bring people to Jesus, it's by this love that they're going to see. It's a supernatural love. And you might even ask, well, what did Jesus mean when he says a new command? Didn't, wasn't there a command, love your neighbor, before? I want to ask that question. I'm going to throw it out there. Didn't, wasn't there in Leviticus? Okay, let's go there quickly. Levit, Leviticus 19, verses 18. What does it say? You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against your children or your people, but you shall, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, okay. So, what does Jesus mean by a new command? I want to. I want to give you a little a bit of English here, a bit of illustration. Now, you Afrikaans, don't worry. I'm English. I've, I'm kind of just scraped through English. If I can get this, you can get this. Um, but uh, if you look at that, the difference between. I want to put those two verses. Can, we can't put them parallel, can we? Okay. So let's look at the first one. Leviticus 19:18, the Old Testament. Jesus said, "But you shall love your neighbor as yourself." Right? That's. That was not Jesus, that was Leviticus. That was the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But here the new command, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Now notice the difference is in the preposition. The word as. So the one in the Leviticus is love as you love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you are the, the root from which you love. Okay, this is the preposition, you. Where the new command that Jesus gives as what as he loves you, as Jesus loves you, so there's a difference. One's rooted in me, and the other one's rooted in who, in Jesus. So do you agree with me? There's a limit to what the Old Testament could love someone. I mean, there's only so much I can love John in my capacity. There might come a point where I'm like John, you know, I, I can't love you anymore. There's something here that we're just not jelling. There's a capacity. There's a there's a limit which means, you know, every single one of us will reach a limit because it's, it's from that place. But now Jesus has new command, and this is what makes it new. It's not rooted in you anymore. It's rooted in Him. So there is no limit. You know, that's, think of it. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. And then it says, against such, listen to this, against such there's no law. There's no limit. Think about that. Why? Because it's in Christ. Are we rooted, are we grafted into that vine? If there's a limit, I want to say, if there's a limit, maybe you're not. Like John said, I really feel that's God's word. I really feel that was a prophetic word, John. If there's a limit, then are you really rooted in Christ? Man, if we can't love each other, how are you going to love the world? There are far, far more rough people out there that have nothing in common with you. Where's your love rooted? Um, Sorry, I'm just finding my way. And I want to say that if we're going to love this way, it's a supernatural way, but by this all will know, that you're genuine, that you're genuinely my disciples, that you love one another. That's a beautiful picture that Jesus gives. And that, my, my friends, is only going to be shown in the way we cast that net of love. If we're going to bring people in it's got to be us together, knitted together, one heart, one mind, one soul. There is no cold shoulders towards one another. There is no grumpiness. There's long, there's long suffering, there's kindness, there's gentleness, there's patience, there's self control. And when others walk in, they think, What is this? It's not normal. I mean, a lot of you come from broken families. You see, it's not even normal in your own family. But at God's house, we are here to represent His family. And that's what He says I brought the lonely into family. I want to show something that represents me well, and that is my church. And so, the one, so that's the, the second thing, is that we cast the net. And it's called the cast net, because you cast the net. But the third net I want to share, and I'm just going to close with this one. This is the last point I want to make. And I want to go to Matthew, if we can go there, Renee, Matthew 13. Jesus talks about this net. Now I want you to notice this net is different from the other two that you and I are called to do. This is the net that only Jesus and his angels will bring. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. It was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to its shore. And they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but they threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, and the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just. And cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth and Jesus said to them, "Have you understood all these things?" And they said to him, "Yes, Lord." Now as I look at that scripture, it's quite a heavy. And Jesus talks about this this net. It's it's actually if you take that that translation it's actually a sign net. It's a it's a a, a drag net. It's a troll net. It's not a cast net like the one we call to bring people in. It's a drag net. Have you ever seen a drag net? Well, they say they can go up to a mile long, some of them, a mile in area. Think of the dragnet, it's also indiscriminate. Have you ever seen them pull a dragnet out of the sea? Man, it comes with everything. Those, those nets are miles long and they, go and they come and they just take everything that's in the ocean, whether it's papers and bottles and all types of sea life is caught up in these dragnets. There's nothing that's indiscriminate. It just takes everything. And Jesus uses this illustration for us to see. Because I think sometimes we, we kind of look. I want to say this, this net has is, is been since, since the fall of man. And uh, it sweeps through the oceans of time, really, throughout the world. This net is constantly at work. And you know what? You can be saved or unsaved. This net will get to you. This is ultimately death. And uh, you might be 90 years old or you might be two weeks old. This net is indiscriminate. It takes whatever it will. And I want to encourage you maybe you haven't been, you haven't come to the place of even receiving Jesus into your life. You haven't actually been grafted in what John was sharing now. And you know how? Because you're not bearing fruit. Sometimes it's good for us to throw this out in the life of the church. We come here every week, we're part of the. Sundays and we're part of the Wednesday, but I want to ask you, are you bearing fruit? At least is it coming forth in your family, in your own life, or are you still doing the same things? You know? Is Jesus looking at you and just saying, I just see leaves, because this cast net, uh, this, uh, sorry, this dragnet is coming. And you know what the thing with this dragnet, some of us have experienced it. We like fishes swimming in the ocean. You know, sometimes we felt it. You, you've seen that dragnet sweep some of your family up. Your loved ones, they've died, they've been taken up. And every now and then you might have a traumatic experience. It's almost like that dragnet just touched you and you like a little flish, flutter a bit further on, you know, hoping it's going to miss you. And you might have experienced traumatic experiences like an accident or even sickness. And there's moments that you feel, hey Benj, there's moments that you felt that. It's a dragnet, it's just touching it. it just brushes by. But it brings you to a place where you actually realize this thing's real. And it's coming for all of us. There isn't something that's going to discriminate us all. You know, that person's really amazing. I'm not. no, this thing is coming through. You know, every none of us know the time that Jesus has for us. It says that he's accounted the days for us, how long we should live. And I want to say, even though this net is kind of a slow net, and, and this is the thing with God, He's so patient with us. He's so loving, He's so caring. You know, 2 Peter 3 9 says this the Lord is slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But you know this 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 net might be slow, but there does come a point where god says let 's bring the net in let 's pull it up it 's closing time, and you see him come with the keys and I feel there 's some of us sitting here that you don 't know tomorrow, and i I really just even in my own heart, as I was preparing, I just know there's some of you, you might have been touched by this net, you might have seen it, but I feel God is saying, if you read the Scripture where Jesus said that at that moment, when He pulls that net out, it doesn't matter. If, if you're not saved, He's going to separate the bad fish from the good. That's speaking of judgment to come. But you don't know what tomorrow holds for you. When Jesus decides your time is up, it's up. And so I don't want to be heavy, but I, I, do, I do want to come to a place where that I just have a security, or I'll never have that, but a security that at least I've ministered the gospel to every single one of you sitting here, but that you've come to that place where you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, that you received the first two catches, because this third catch that comes will not be a good catch. If you haven't given your life to, the, to Jesus and that dragnet comes, Man, it's going to be a terrible day that he says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so I just want to encourage you. Can we maybe just close our eyes for a moment? And what I've shared sounds very hard. It sounds like very judgmental maybe to some. But this is the words of Jesus. These are Jesus' words. This is what he said. And so we often have this impression that gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But he says here, he's coming back. And it says he's coming back with his angels. And he's going to bring judgment on the whole earth. And let me say there's no discrimination. God is going to judge. Every single one of us will come before his judgment seat. And he's not only going to look at our actions, but he's going to look at every single intention that you had when you committed that action. So I don't want to take for granted that everybody's received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But can I say tonight can be the night that you can make that declaration to him. So anybody here that hasn't received Jesus, you haven't made him Lord and Savior of your life, tonight is the night. Don't hold back. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But you know what the Bible says? That Jesus loves you. That's why he died for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so tonight could be the night for you. Is there anybody here that hasn't received Jesus as Lord? Can I ask that you put up your hand? And don't worry, we've all had to make this decision. But Jesus said, if you declare me before the Father, I'll, uh, sorry, when you declare me before others, I'll declare you before the Father. Anybody, you've never received Jesus. You've never made him Lord. I just want to just linger a little bit there. tonight can be the night that you just receive him the Bible says if you confess him with your heart, you confess him and believe with your heart you will be saved there is something that we have to do there is an act that we have to make before him And so don't hold back everybody here has received Jesus you've made him Lord and Savior Amen Then for the rest of us, maybe some of you are feeling like, I haven't been bearing fruit. I know I have. There's been areas of my life where I know there needs to be more fruit. You know, the reason Jesus sometimes prunes, well, actually always, the reason he prunes, why? So that we can bear more fruit. So maybe you are saved, but maybe there's a pruning happening, and it's painful. But it's like pushing in, God, I want to bear fruit. I don't care about the pain as long as I can bear fruit. I know those things in my life are holding me back from bearing fruit. Can I say, if that's us, I want to ask you to stand. I'm not going to call everybody, but I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want to bear more fruit, maybe there's areas of your life, like John says, that actually you're not grafted totally. There's areas you're holding back in the Lord. Stand up. You're not standing before me. You're standing before the Lord. Don't hold back. God's calling us to be fruitful. Man, there's so much that he wants to do in us and through us. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to be like that fig tree that drew you to that tree because of the leaves. We don't want a form of godliness. We don't want the the rituals or the, the religious th- froth, Lord, the the veneer of what Christianity is about. We want the real deal. And Lord, tonight as we just stand before you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just convict us, Lord, that you would just work in areas of our lives where there might have been just, just intimacy, a loss of intimacy with you, Jesus. Won't you bring us back, Lord, where we branches that you have grafted and every single one of us have been grafted into the vine of Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray where there's been just things that have held us back from being truly grafted. Won't you come and just work in our hearts, Lord, where there needs to be conviction of things in our lives, Lord, that have got to do with sin. Won't you come and deal with that sin? I pray that every heart would want to just get rid of it, Lord. I pray for a, a, just a, almost a conviction within us, Lord, which just stir us, be willing to give it up because there's something so much more greater that is found in you. And, Lord, I want to pray that you would equip us with lures, lures that draw others to you, Jesus. I want to pray for some of us who, who lack patience. I pray that the patience of God come upon us, where we lack love, that we'd experience the love of God, where we lack kindness, Jesus, to even those on the road and those when we're driving. Lord, I want to pray your kindness would overpower us, that those around us would just see the, the love of Christ, the, the glory of who you are, Jesus, just manifesting through us. Lord, that they would ask, like Peter says, what is that hope within you? Lord, that we can have the openness and the, and the freedom to preach that gospel. Because we have laid the platform through the fruit that we've displayed of you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I want to pray for these people. I pray for a fruitful harvest. Lord, I pray for even this week that they would meet with those around them. Lord, that they would be a witness of you, Jesus that they would be a light, that they would be salt of the earth, that when those look at them, Lord, that they would know that this is a person that belongs to Christ. And so I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the call. I thank you for the purposes that you have for us. And Lord, I thank you for the fruit that's going to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys, okay.
2: Good evening, everyone. (laughs) I just wanted to share with you just an example of what fishing might look like. It's so just a small testimony. So some of you might know Adri, and Audrey was the safe mom of Caden. Mm. And then Caden was with her for three months. And then after that, Caden came to us. And I remember when Adri um, brought Caden, she had this book. And in the book, there were photos of Caden With a dog. Most of the photos (laughs) with a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And then there were verses and messages written in the book. And I remember she said, the church prayed Caden out. And I told myself, wow, there is church. I didn't belong to a church. The last time I belonged to a church was when I was 16 years old. And um, that drew me to come to Josh Jane. And I remember that the morning that I came, it was on AM and I spoke to God and I said, Lord, when I get here, I just want to feel your presence. I don't want to go to a church where I don't feel you. And and I said, my prayer was that I will um, have a holy moment or experience a holy moment. And while we were worshiping, um, he came to the front actually (laughs) in worship and he said that um, we must just... um, Realized that this is a holy moment, and I was like, oh, I've asked just for that, that it's a holy moment. And so I came back the second time. And the second time I came back, out of instruction, I invited Adlan with me. And Adlan was baptized on the 1st of October. So the message that I want to give to you guys is do not take the small things for granted, even if it's a message in a book because that is what fishing looks like and that brings the message together of it takes everyone to get people in and not just one person i think